0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That song is our prayer. That Your Word, Your Word written the Bible, and You, Lord, the Word made flesh, as it goes out today, it would it would go out into the places of our lives, the places where we are, the places of great joy. We're here with friends and family. It would go out to the places of sadness. The friend isn't here. The family member's not with us. It would go out to the places we are, full of of faith. It's Christmas Eve, and it's exciting, places of lots of questions. Is this even real? May your word go out, Lord, to the places we are, and not come back empty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. So we're close. Anybody like 11, 9, 7? We're close. (laughs) Tomorrow we'll gather around blue spruce trees, hidden behind boxes of wrapped things. This afternoon we'll gather at 3 and 4.30. You're going to want to be here for Sure. We're going to celebrate the Incarnation. Then again at 10, we'll gather around the candlelight of Christmas. We'll even make our way outside towards the end of the service sing What Child Is This together. Uh, We'll gather this afternoon and this evening. You're welcome to come back. But now here for this moment, I want you to gather with me around a little line tucked towards the beginning of John's Gospel. Uh, You may have heard it before. It goes like this. From his fullness. We have all received grace upon grace. John has Jesus in mind. Jesus, the infant child born to the virgin mother and the unmarried father, wrapped in bands of cloth and laid in the manger. John has Jesus in mind, whom shepherds would seek to find and wise men would go To see, John has Jesus in mind who would one day be lifted up, arms stretched wide on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, only to be laid down again, this time not in a manger but in a grave. But only for a while, he came up again, he rose victorious again, so that from his fullness we might all receive grace upon grace, on top of grace, in place of grace. Uh, We make a lot out of Christmas, who, who spent some time this week scurrying around and hurrying about just so you could wait in a long line to buy something you're not sure you need or they want? <laughs> we bake cakes and we make snacks and we pour drinks and we gather around. And sometimes maybe, we can be honest, it's a bit distracting to the greater purpose of the season, But maybe more charitably, it actually points to the very thing we've been wanting all along from his fullness. We have all received grace upon grace, on top of grace, in place of grace, one blessing after another. So we'll come back to that verse. It's John 1, verse 16. But for now, I just have to say how cool it is. (laughs) I get to share some sermon space with my dad. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. uh, Thanks for helping me out on a busy Christmas Eve Sunday. I'm so excited
1: I couldn't sleep last night, and that could be a problem for all of us before the
0: sermon's (laughs) over with. I think this is probably, I mean, we've done something like this before, but never on Christmas Eve.
1: No. No, no. Never in your congregation either.
0: And maybe never again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at your disposal. (laughs) Most Christmas Eves, you were preparing sermons yourself to offer to the oh, yeah. congregation. Yeah, yeah, I remember it so well. Uh,
1: this is I've been now a professor at the seminary for over 20 years, but for the 20 years before that, I was a pastor in most of those years here in this town at Christ Memorial Church on the other end. Um, and we had a big Christmas Eve service. It was always so exciting. Um, you remember that time when I, I went through kind of a Robert Schuler era? And I...
0: <laughs> trying to block that out, but yeah.
1: <laughs> and I wanted to make these really big pageants and we brought in animals. And one time we brought in a donkey that hit the linoleum and did spread eagle and started to hyperventilate. I thought, uh-oh, headlines tomorrow. Donkey dead in sanctuary. <laughs> minister arraigned
0: mom uh, toddling us, Sarah, and my younger sister Rebecca, and me to one, maybe multiple, of those services on Christmas Eve. Uh, Becky and I particularly were so excited. We could hardly contain our excitement, so when we finally got home from church and went to bed, we'd wake up like 4, 4.30, maybe 5.00. We were trained not to wake anyone else up, so we'd gather our comforters off of our bed and then... Uh, snuggle under their warmth right next to the Christmas tree, and we'd stare. We'd stare at the boxes hiding the tree, and one Christmas, there was a pair of cross-country skis leaning against the bookshelf. One, one Christmas, there was a little bike hidden behind the tree, and there was always a box with a bulge in it. I got a basketball every year. <laughs> After a while, we'd take the ornaments off the tree, not all of them, just a few of them, the snowman with the skis, and he'd ski down the red-wrapped box, a black diamond sort of present. Becky would take Mary and Joseph and little Jesus and warm them by the candlelight. And then finally, the house would shake. We'd hear the footsteps stepping upstairs. Sarah would emerge from down the hall. Mom and Dad would come downstairs, and it would happen. But before we could unwrap anything, before we got to unstuff any stocking, we unwrapped this.
1: Listen to these words from the book that we love.
0: In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What came into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it.
1: There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. He himself was not the light, but he came as a witness. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He, Christ Jesus, was in the world but the world did not know him. He came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. But to those who received him, who who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man,
0: but of God. And the word became flesh. And lived among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him, saying, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he's before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Indeed, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: You know, all four gospel writers, three of the four gospel writers, give us something of the Christmas story. Mark is the lone outlier. He's so excited to get to the life of Jesus that he skips by the infancy narratives, Uh, Luke, Matthew and Luke are most similar. They give us the straw, the manger, the three wise men. That's why they're called synoptic gospels. But John is different. Uh, He takes us back, way back, before the dawning of time, into the eternal heart of God, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But there is an interesting rupture in John's story, and you felt it. I know you did. Uh, After you go through this eternal vision of God, you come to this moment. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. How do you get from the eternal Word to a man sent from God? How do you get from heaven to earth so quickly without whiplash, But that was John's intention. He wanted us to know that as expansive as the mind of God is, as intergalactic as the life of God is, it always bears a local address. And that's good news for us. In the beginning was the word. There was a man sent from God. God has a local address, and the address is the street that you live on. Always living near us, there was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John. And we even know his name. Um, uh, Do you remember the name of C.S. Lewis? You've heard John quote him a time or two. There's an interesting thing. He died in 1963, and one of his... Uh, grad students, if you will, actually a longtime professor at Wheaton College, uh, was given the unspeakable privilege of culling and cataloging Lewis's personal library at the Kiln in England. He went through all of the books and he came across a book by an Austrian psychiatrist, actually a spiritual theologian of some note named. Uh, Hans Urs van Balthasar, and in that book, uh, Lewis had taken copious notes. In the flyleaf of the book, he wrote this. It's not an abstraction called humanity that it is to be saved. It is you, your soul, and in some sense yet to be understood, even your body that was made for the high and holy place. All that you are, Every fold and crease of your individuality was devised from all eternity to fit God like a glove fits a hand. There was a man sent by God who was a glove in the hand of God. That's what John was. And quite frankly, that's what we are. All of us have been fitted in a particular way to be serviceable to the purposes of God here and now. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Can I, can I keep going though? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was actually going to even if you said no. Uh, I want to point something else out that I I think is so striking, and and that is this very very notion that God needed John at all, which is to say that God needs us, needs us to do his bidding in the world. It, It could be any way God wants it to be. But for some unbelievable reason, God is willing to condescend and employ us in his purposes. And we, of course, have to say yes. There are two words that sound like they're synonyms, but they're really not. They're quite different. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify. A witness, of course, is a person Who sees something. They observe it. In in a court of law, a chief witness is the very person who saw the crime. And they're called to a particular act. That is, to testify to what they saw. John had seen something. And he was now about to testify. The point being that if you are only a witness, you're not purposeful until you testify until you speak on behalf of God. Maybe you can feel a little pressure right now because all of us are witnesses to these things. We've all felt the glory of God Sunday after Sunday. We come here and the body and blood is on full display. The songs of Zion are ringing in the sanctuary. We are witnesses. But now the question is, will you you testify to that? Um, Is there anyone here Let me see, is there anyone here from Calvin College? There's a few people sheepishly acknowledging that. Raise your hands high. Hey, here's a little known fact. I don't tell this publicly very often, but I too am a Calvin graduate. Not not of the college, but of the seminary, that's a long story. Uh, But who knows the motto of Calvin College? Okay, you got it, but let me say it for you because I know it too. Uh, Cor meum tibi offero domine, prompte et sincere. I love that motto. I just love it. I offer my heart to you, Lord, promptly and sincerely. Promptly and sincerely. Where on earth would we be if others didn't offer themselves to the Lord? promptly and sincerely. Just imagine it. What would it have been like if the Lord said to Isaiah, who will go for me and whom shall I send? And the Lord, and Isaiah said, whoa, not me. Or, or if John had heard the Lord saying, come up here and I will show you what will take place after this. And John said, oh, I'm afraid of heights. Or, or what would it have been like if Jesus If the father would have said to the son when Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And the father said, of course I'll do that. I'll do anything to spare you. If the Lord did that, where would we be? I offer myself promptly and sincerely. Okay, you can take over.
0: All right. Reminds me of uh, something Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said. If we want to participate in this Christmas event, we cannot simply sit there like spectators in a theater and enjoy all the friendly pictures. Rather, we must join in the action that is taking place and be drawn into this reversal of all things ourselves. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Or Sally, or Sue, or Sarah, or Tim, or whatever your name is. Uh, but we, we, it probably wouldn't be right uh, to preach... A sermon on the prologue to the Gospel of John and not center on and celebrate in this verse. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. That's why you're here, by the way, whether you knew it or not. You're here because the Word became flesh and lived among us. The eternal word, the one who spoke life into existence, became dependent on life for his existence. And the word became flesh and lived among us. The one who spoke the mountains into their peaks and the ocean into its roaring became the creation he made, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Christmas is one grand proclamation. God has not given up on you. So don't give up on you. Don't give up on life. Don't give up in pain. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Uh, You'll gather, maybe some of you, a few of you will gather around... Dining room tables today, maybe tomorrow, sometime this week. And let's be honest, there's probably enough, enough dysfunction around that table to make for a really awkward evening. <laughs> not all is well. You know, you can sing it if you want. But Christmas acknowledges it's not all well. Uh, Athanasius, an early church leader, uh, made a pretty forceful case it was our sorry case that caused the word to come down. Our transgression called out his love for us. So he made haste to help us and to appear among us. Christmas is the acknowledgement. Not everything's right. And it's not just you. I'm not picking on you and it's not just me. I'm not feeling bad about myself this morning. This, this story's been going on for a long, long time. This not all is well story. Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit they were told not to touch, sent the world spiraling into chaos. Their boy, Cain, killed his brother Abel, and Cain's great-grandson, Lamech, killed a man too. And when the wickedness of humankind was great on the earth, God did something unprecedented. He stirred the, the chaotic waters and sent the flood. God did something unprecedented. He decided to start over. He preserved a man with a couple of kids and an ark, but otherwise he started fresh. But not this time, not anymore. This time, Christmas time, God says, I'm in it with you. I'm in it for you. And the word became flesh and lived among us. God, rather than wiping us clean, enters into what we are so that we can be made clean through his life, death, and resurrection. He's not giving up on us, so don't give up on you. What you do matters. Where you go matters. The people you know matter. There's been this um, critique against the Christian faith, uh, and actually, I think it's a fairly fair one, uh, that Christian faith has created a sort of pyramid of value. The top of the pyramid are those who do God's work. Pastors, missionaries. And then, and then a little farther down in the pyramid are those who, you know, help people like doctors and teachers. And then at the bottom, the base, the basest of the base are business people. <laughs> those who work with money. Nothing redemptive there. Christmas says, oh no, actually, oh no, actually, the word became flesh. It all matters now. There is no contrived pyramid with the basest of the base The Word became flesh and lived among us. Every square inch of the whole human existence over which God is sovereign, Christ declares, that's mine, says Abraham Kuyper. So your life matters because the Word became flesh. What you do matters, so do it. I know we enjoy a couple days off at Christmas, but actually, it's the bell to get back to work. Don't give up on life. Don't give up in pain. I don't know what you know, what you're up against, what you're going through. I know a few of you, but most of you I don't. Christmas promises God knows what you're up against. God knows what you're going through. got a text at 7 a.m. this morning from a good friend. Hey, dude, pray for me. My dad's got a brain tumor. And the word became flesh and lived among us. I was... Sitting with an executive a couple of weeks ago, hasn't been able to sleep. Leading organizational change is taking its toll, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Maybe he didn't get the grad school rejection letter that you got, but he knows what it's like to be rejected. Maybe, maybe he didn't lose the one he loves like the, you lost the one you love, but he knows what it's like to be alone. the word became flesh and lived among us so don't give up in pain uh, john calvin once said he became human like us that he might feel our pain i grew up on 24th street uh, the lumberyard remember the lumberyard the lumberyard was my backyard and the de graff nature center was our playground uh, we lived right around the corner from Mrs. Hamelink, who lived on 26th Street. Do you remember Mrs. Hamelink? What do I ever. (laughs) try to talk about her? Sure, yeah, if you want to. Uh,
1: Edith Hamelink, uh, uh, never bore children of her own. She married a a doctor who brought several children into the marriage. Uh, She was a saint to us. When we moved to Holland from Chicago, she became like the go-to babysitter for our kids. She was a beautiful woman. What we didn't know at the moment is um, her life was being taken from her. She was battling a disease. She never would let on that she was in trouble or in pain. Uh, was finally diagnosed and she shared with us one night that she had leukemia and she would be undergoing some very dreadful uh, chemotherapy. Now I'm going to fast forward to the last week of her life. She was in Holland Hospital. I not only loved her, but I wanted to be a good pastor. So I visited her uh, every day, every day at some point in the day. I would stop in and see Edith. Very near the end, I entered her room. Uh, She was not in a coma, but she was in a deep sleep. I stood by her bedside, actually for several minutes, just blessing the Lord for such a saint. What, what you may not know about yourself is how, well, the very thing that John was saying, how important each person is in the life of the body of Christ. So I'm looking at Edith just listing all the wonderful virtues that she brought into our lives. At one point, I took her hand to pray. I prayed long and hard for her, her family, for the church. What would we do with one of the saints gone And then I I released it and was about to leave as she winced in pain. And I, I said to her, oh, Edith, does it hurt? What a foolish question to ask. Of course it hurt. And then she said to me something that I will take into my grave, I think, and hope to live out myself. She said, I have never felt such pain or known more joy. Isn't that remarkable? Pain and joy, they do belong together. And joy will always push its way through the pain.
0: And the word became flesh. I've never known such pain or more joy. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're going through. Uh, We can have Christmas parties and we can get all dressed up. Uh, But just beneath the surface, we all know. So know this, the word became flesh and lived among us, it's grace, grace on top of grace, grace in place of grace, one blessing after another and here at the table, we feast on it again, we drink from it again. If you believe Jesus is Lord and you acknowledge him as savior, you are welcome at this table. If you're not at that place in life or faith or for other reasons, choose not to come to the table, I don't want to ask you to do something that would be inauthentic to who you are. You're welcome to remain seated. There are prayers for you to consider praying in the worship folder. You're also welcome to come forward and greet one of five servers at these stations and then return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. Pray with me, please. Father, Son, Spirit, you who made the world in the beginning so kindly, so generously entered into the world you made to make us like you are. Feed us at this table, Lord, to mature us into the kind of people you need us to be and the world longs to experience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.